1: It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with
2: Jim Lefter.
3: Hi there, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'm your host for today. I'm kind of a spiritual journeyman and media consultant. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. And I'm at the Center for Spiritual Living Greater Baltimore at cslgreaterbaltimore.org. Joining me today is my special friend and co-host, Spiritual Rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. Hi, Sarah. How are you today?
2: I'm good. I just got off of two weeks traveling in a van, so I'm getting used to the world not moving underneath me. Sitting still (laughs) is really weird.
3: Well, you have been on your own hero's journey then.
2: I have. I have.
3: Well, that's very cool. I also know that on your hero's journey, you have uh, picked up a new gig. I want to hear about this new gig.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, I'm writing a new column for Spirituality and Health magazine called Creaturely Reflections. And so uh, each month, I I write for them online each week. But uh, each month now, you can hear a little bit about me and um, what I think the critters are thinking.
3: And that's in the magazine itself now, right? That's in the
2: print, yeah. So it's one of the featured columns that will be, uh, that's at every other month. So it'll, it'll be in there every other month. And this first one, I talk a little bit about Noah's epic journey as the biggest pilgrimage ever. So there's a lot of uh, kind of tie in with what we're talking about today.
3: Well, that's great. That's great. Well, congratulations on all that. Thank you. And now you'll be able to uh, write your regular column for Big Universe magazine.
2: I can't wait for Big Universe magazine.
3: I'm, keep, I'm, I'm waiting for the printer, but, you know, it just it hasn't come yet.
2: Can we print it on those, like, clear sheets that you see in sci-fi movies that are flexible, but the print's on them and every page is just on one piece of flexible, like, super galactic mylar?
3: I would love that. And, you know, we could do it a Harry Potter kind of way where the the images move, you know, depending on what the subject matter is in the pictures.
2: I like that. I think we're, we're manifesting something fabulous here. So if anybody wants to help us figure out how to produce that, just let us know.
3: (laughs) We'll have to call up Royce Christian. I'm sure he's already on it. There you go. So one, one of the greatest, we're going to be talking about archetypes today with Carol Pearson and um uh, really interesting subject, uh, and you know, to me, one of the greatest uses of archetypes has got to be the original Star Wars, even the, the original Star Wars uh, trilogy. Uh, and I know, if I'm not mistaken, Joseph Campbell talks a lot about Star Wars in his discussions with Bill Moyers and in his uh, his work. I just think, you know, you look at you, you look at Star Wars and even the Mandalorian, the newer Star Wars uh, show. Man, those archetypes are so prevalent and so key to the, the whole concept.
2: Yeah, I know Lucas was really um, influenced by Campbell's work, and so many people have been. I think what, um, for me, it's really interesting that we, we tie into those archetypes before we even know this word, archetype. Like the idea of figuring out which character do you, I remember when I was a little kid, we used to play Star Wars. So the whole neighborhood would get together and then you'd pick out like which person you were going to be. And then we'd fight over who got to be which character and who had to be the <laughs> ones we didn't want to be. And someone would say, well, I'm blonde, so I get to be this person or I'm male and gender roles would come in. You can't be that role. You're a girl. Like all of this kind of stuff that happens to us as children, as we start to understand somehow on a on a very natural and intuitive level that there are different traits and there are different um oh things to explore different pieces of our psyche and our personality to explore did you ever do that did you ever like play star wars as a kid
3: but of course i did of course and who I did, did.
2: who who were you what archetype was jim
3: you know i gotta say luke skywalker did you the classic the classic Luke Skywalker. You know, occasionally I'd throw in a little Han Solo, but you know,
2: I always wanted to be Chewbacca.
3: You did. You really? Well, that's I did. You know, keeping in in mind with your creature, your I, creature you're right? Or
2: or <laughs> droids. I I was in love with droids, and I think that's something really interesting. Recently, I was listening to a lecture on transhuman concerns, and and what do we do now about um, AI and droids, and what kind of ethics do we have around these archetypes that are digital
3: it's fascinating it truly is fascinating we are entering a new a new age because these you know droids as we're calling them you know based on star wars they're going to develop and they're going to develop personality you know it's just it's a it's an extension you know how real is something when you create it i don't know
2: and and i that always trips me up because then i think well if our if our thoughts are electrical impulses in some ways too how real are we
3: Oh my gosh, (laughs) think my mind.
2: There we go, there we go. But I do think it's fun to see. I know both you and I took the assessment that was related to this book today and I can't wait to dig into finding a little more about our uh, not eight-year-old selves, but perhaps our slightly more advanced, mature archetypal selves.
3: I have to say that when I was uh, a kid, we also, you know, we played Star Trek a lot too. And, uh, you know, I was often Captain Kirk, big surprise, but uh, my, uh, one of my friends was playing Mr. Spock, and in one, one surprising incident, she, um, Mr. Spock kissed Captain Kirk, and that was very surprising to me. (laughs) I was quite surprised that, uh, you know, she was playing uh, Mr. Spock, and there I am getting a kiss from Mr. Spock to Captain Kirk.
2: Well, I believe if I read my homework right, that would be the lover archetype that was uh, <laughs> It actually, But that's an interesting thing, too, because I remember as a kid, the fascination between that triad of uh, of Leia and Luke and Han. And before we knew that they were related, I remember as a little girl, the kind of intrigue of would you rather be with the nice, honest guy or would you rather be with the bad boy? And so seeing seeing how that archetype played out in my life, <laughs> that would be a whole other show, and perhaps not suited for uh, for Unity Online Radio. But I think the in, not only our own archetypes is what's so interesting, but the interactions in between yes. them. So I'm so glad you got kissed by Mister Spock.
3: It was it was uh, very interesting. It was very interesting. All right, are you ready for our quotes today?
2: I am, and I picked one about Star Wars because I thought that was fair today. So here we go. Star Wars dramatized a tension that prevails in the United States and in the larger world between autocratic forms of social organization and more democratic systems. This tension is mirrored in individuals in our desire for security and control versus our wish for freedom, diversity, and interdependent community.
3: Well, that's a mouthful.
2: I know. It's not my usual quote, right? I'm usually kind of more on the spiritual side, but I really (laughs) like this, this idea of the tension between our desire for security and control and our wish for freedom, diversity, and interdependent community. And that's straight out of Carol Pearson's book that we'll be talking about later today.
3: Awesome. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. Well, mine is pretty quick and simple, and that is... And I may have used it before, actually, but I'm going to use it again. Awakening is not changing who you are, but discarding who you are not.
2: Oh, I don't think you've, maybe you used that with your prior excellent co-host. Who is that?
3: That's, that's uh, Deepak Chopra.
2: Ah, that sounds very Deepak-y.
3: Awakening is not changing who you are, but discarding who you are not. I thought that was appropriate for today, too.
2: I do too. I remember in one of Carol's books, I'm not sure if it was this one or the other one I read, she tells the story about a dragon who learns to live into his fire breathing.
3: Ooh, I, yeah, could, so I don't remember that part.
2: Maybe we'll have to ask her about that, but the idea of instead of burning fire, instead of not doing fire, he decides that he's going to burn the garbage for the town that he lives by every Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I think that goes to your Deepak quote: the idea of not changing who we are, but using what we have in ways that that serve.
3: Very much so. All right, are you ready to jump into the episode?
1: Let's do it. Hello, everybody. My name is Edward Bujodi. I'm the co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio. Today, I'm here to talk to you on Big Universe about the importance of the stories that we tell ourselves. There's a great book by the name of God Will See You Through by Mary Cutfurley, who's a unity teacher. And Mary Cupferly wrote, you can follow these same steps and find yourself lifted out of any difficulty or trial you may face. First, deliberately take the upper hand. Instead of feeling yourself a victim of circumstance at the mercy of the happening, take the upper hand and by firm and strong decree, declare God is here. God is in this experience. Second, Consistently turn everything to good, no matter what seems to be occurring. Constantly and faithfully keep turning it to good. Affirm, only good can come, for God is in this experience. And third, trust God's plan for you. Place yourself and all those concerned under His protective spirit of love. God's plan is good, I trust it. He is in full control of the experience You will see a wonderful uh, calm within you. You will feel a wonderful calm within you and you will see new ways of help opening up. This is a perfect reminder for me every time I read it because it reminds me of the importance of directing my own mind. Now sometimes when our mind is going really fast in a certain direction with a negative story, it takes some quiet, some meditation, some relaxation, Relaxation, opening up to the divine within ourselves. Let You can even let those negative thoughts run for a while. Stop fighting them, stop feeding them, just let them go, let them move. Then naturally they'll start to loosen up. Once you feel that opening within yourself, then you can start to decree, I am amazing. God is in this experience. All things are working together for my good. I cannot understate the importance of learning to take control and direct our thoughts, direct my thoughts. If you'll notice when things feel like they're going wrong, a majority of the time or all the time, if we can let go of the part of ourselves that is labeling or judging the situation as bad and open up to the possibility that something wonderful is happening, we will be amazed. That's my two cents. It's great talking to you on Big Universe. And remember, Daryl and Ed love you.
3: And now it's time for our interview. Dr. Carol S. Pearson, co author of the Pearson Marr Archetype Instrument with Hugh Marr, is an internationally recognized scholar and well known author of numerous books, including the best selling The Hero Within and Awakening the Heroes Within, which provided the 12 archetype theory that's the foundation of the PMAI archetype assessment. Carol's an author, speaker, workshop leader, and thinking partner with organizations and leaders in private practice. Previously, she was executive vice president and provost and president of Pacifica Graduate Institute in Santa Barbara, California. Her latest book is What Stories Are You Living? Discover Your Archetypes, Transform Your Life. You can find out more about Carol at carolspearson.com. Welcome to Big Universe, Carol. So happy you could join us today. Glad to be here. It's, well. really, it's really exciting to have you. So what are archetypes in the first place?
0: Um, archetypes, it's a kind of fancy word for uh, patterns, psychological patterns that recur over time, that recur over time, not only a lot, but for all time, for the whole time, there have been people. Um, that our ancestors, uh, you, me, uh, somebody in China, somebody in the United States, somebody in Africa, we all think using those patterns. And I find it easiest to understand that by, by realizing that they all, associating them with characters and plot, plot lines.
3: Yeah. Do, do people in different countries or from other parts of the world, do they have different kinds of archetypes or does it all generally uh, work into, you know the, the same general kinds of art, archetypes?
0: Well, uh, the theory behind archetypes, which comes from Carl Jung, uh, says they're all universal but the styles of them are really different. Uh, so, you know, a Japanese warrior, a samurai, for example, and an American soldier, there's a lot different about them. I see. Yeah.
3: Why is it important to discover our archetypes?
0: Well, you know, in, in unity and new thought generally, one of the things we're paying attention to is what we're thinking.
3: That's definitely true.
0: And if we can notice the the story behind what we're thinking, we can be freer in a new way. We can critique our thinking in a a different kind of way. Um, And we can also see possibilities in a thought we wish we didn't have
3: what makes stories so important the stories that we tell ourselves and those that we we tell others about ourselves
0: well uh, stories have plot lines <laughs> and the stories and boy
3: do those plot lines go all over the place <laughs> let me tell you
0: and and you know if i walked in here with a warrior story it'd be different than if i walked in here with a lover story or a caregiver story and um, what neuroscience is now telling us is the brain makes meaning through story. And so when things happen, the brain very quickly makes meaning and uses a story that we already know usually to do that. That affects, once that story is in place, we'll assume that what it tells us, that plotline, some version of that plotline, is what we ought to be doing. And what we start noticing are the things that fit the story. Hmm. Now, that's huge. <laughs> um, and also, almost all stories have happy ending possibilities and tragic ending possibilities. And so that the other thing that happens is we, if we can notice the story we're living and the story we're telling and the story we're thinking, which is the hardest thing to do, uh, and we can also think, where is this leading? Uh, what's the outcome that's likely to happen from this? And it's it. I think in the new thought community, it's kind of a missing piece to get that mm-hmm. to start understanding that that, that part.
3: So you, you talk about that, and and I'm I'm curious: is it it's a pattern that is already existing because of the because of how we've grown up. Uh, and how we've accepted our cultural understanding. Is it, how do you know the best way? I'm trying to figure out what my question is here exactly, but is it about uh, following a particular path because it's already, you know, it's been established before? What do you mean exactly?
0: Well, uh, we're always bombarded with stories. I mean, then that can be what our parents taught us, our upbringing what the church taught us, what, what advertising is telling us. I mean, we have all these stories coming at us. And uh, so the brain kind of logs them. I mean, they're all they're universal, but our culture has particularly ways of, of framing them. So um, we have a lot of freedom within that. Uh, first of all, fr- the archetypes have a lot of room in them so, if the caregiver archetype is an archetype that calls us to have empathy for people, to want to help them, for example, and to you know, and um, and but let's say in truth, I had a really caregiving mom, but what if I didn't, or what if I had a mom who was the caregiver figure, but. <sighs> my experience of that was really oogie Mm -hmm. uh, in terms. And now, so then what the possibility for me is to explore out there other images, other stories about caring. And that's important because if we had that initial experience, we might not want to be in caregiver roles or be scared of people who maybe would help us and if we if we can then move to the archetype itself closer to what is the evolved part of that archetype, hmm. and mm-hmm. what is really what is Mother Teresa or what is just a really really good mom or good mom or dad, um, then we can find that in ourselves. Interesting, because that's what's true of the universal part of. Of it and also another part that I think is really important in new thought is let's say I was not being a really good caregiver to mm-hmm. my kids mm-hmm. and I'm like embarrassed about myself I'm feeling ashamed and um, but I have another option My other option is I have a caregiver impulse but I don't know how to live the story well mm. and that, how that archetype is in me. So all I need to do is do it better. <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't need to spend a lot of time being, oh, how bad I am, how stupid I am, maybe I should get my kids up. Um, I can realize that um, I have a calling mm-hmm. by, from that archetype, that, that universal energy, and I need to evolve how I learn to experience it, and that takes practice
3: very interesting. Yeah. So do, do when you identify your archetypes, and I can't wait to dive into this a little bit later. Oh,
2: as, Jim, I know what your archetype is.
3: <laughs> don't, don't assume. I'm not going to. Okay, assume. don't assume.
2: Don't assume. All right.
3: But as we dive into these, um, my question to you is, do do our archetypes change over time as, as life goes on, what we identify with? Or is it pretty much, you know, you, you, you identify with an archetype and that that persists with you.
0: Well, for one thing, you don't just have one archetype. Right. If you did. We'd be like little robots. Right.
3: Which might make things easier <laughs> sometimes, but not not so much.
0: Warrior, Warrior must fight. Right. must, <laughs> fight. must <laughs> <win>. <laughs> Okay. Um, but what we do with the PMAI is we we know that for some people there's a cluster of archetypes that goes with them throughout life but it's very hard to measure that people figure that out usually when they're um, older and looking back at their life so we're measuring three you're finding three at least that a person habitually does so you know you might be a seeker a magician and a sage for example and that kind of goes together pretty well and you're living that but we also look at what don't you? And and there's 12 of the ones we work with. So that are all related to human evolution. Um, So we look at what's the lowest, because that's where we're in a situation that requires something new from us. You know, a a person who's never been very authoritative gets a job promotion and has to has to supervise people.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) That ruler Um, that we can if we understand these are universal, we can find it in ourselves and develop it in ourselves. And that's important. And then there are ones in between, like if either one of you, let's say you lived um, a lover archetype. Um, and uh, that could be falling in love, for example, but it could also be a really close friendship, um, loving your life, decorating your home. I mean, it's, there's a lot in that archetype. And you, that's just really what defined your life for a time. And then it doesn't, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you've really moved on, Mm -hmm. but, and something else is really calling you. Not that if you're married, you don't love the person, but that archetypal energy, then um, you, if you've lived it, you have its capacities, you have its skills so whatever archetype that is, you can do it. You can live that story. It just won't give you any energy or make you happy at that point. But we all need we all need the flexibility to be able to live to do things that no longer are what light us up. Because life, life gives us many responsibilities. But we could choose, uh, we could choose not to live there you know, or, you know, if you gotta, if if warrior was that for you and you're, um, you're asked to take a job that's going to require you to compete like crazy, like your life depended on it. You could know, yes, I could do that. No, I'm not going to be happy doing that right now.
3: I can tell you, I would not be happy doing that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Warrior, warrior is not me. Uh, (laughs) know one of the things that you talk about is one of the great things that you name it is naming the journey that you're on and discovering your superpowers I love that
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, I love that with the path yeah
0: yeah Uh, and that's that is also another way that we can understand our equality with other people you know how we can be really terrific and and uh, but we can't do everything (laughs) you know um and that is we have this superpower but we don't have that su- superpower and how cool it is that that other person has what we don't have
3: yeah
0: yeah to, to compensate but if we find that we're feeling envious of that person that may be a con- uh, a calling that that archetype actually wants to live in us the one that they're li- that they're experiencing even if it's not our superpower Can you, Carol, can you
2: say more about that? Because I know right now that we have such a social media kind of um, compare ourselves to other people sometimes and and that kind of thing. Can you talk a little bit more about that, about the role of envy?
0: Well, the, (laughs) the role of envy, positively, you mean?
2: well just what you had just mentioned and i'm probably yeah. i'm probably upsetting jim cuz he's about ready to go into a break in a moment but just the idea of when we are envious of someone or jealous of someone that that means there's something that it might want to emerge from within us i, I found that really really interesting in the book
0: uh, well and i just i just witnessed this with somebody the other day where she was getting she was envious of somebody and she kept them thinking talking about how how much she didn't like that person what was wrong with that person and but she had another option the other option would be to to really say okay I really wish I were like that and know that there's a journey that's a journey that's a journey to take the seed of that archetype and water it Mm. and begin to live it
3: Wow, well, we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio.
2: Welcome back to a slightly off kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter.
3: Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. So we're talking with Carol S. Pearson. Um, Carol, let me ask you this. What drew you to this kind of work in the first place? I'm just curious.
0: Uh, I've always loved stories. <laughs> and uh, I, I have studied literature and I have studied theology, um, both looking at stories and what they mean. And uh, I just, I'm fascinated with that. And, and with the new information that we have now about how important narrative is. We know that kids who read a lot when they're young or are read to get smarter, and now we know why. And what we know why is the brain stores more stories than we ha- and then you have more perspectives to take to any situation that you're gonna wanna think about. I mean, I was, and when I, when I first, then encountered Jung's work on archetypes, I just went, Eureka, I'm home. Yeah. Sometimes I accidentally write Carl instead of Carol. (laughs) (laughs) That's envy for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: you've taken that seed and you've created something quite (laughs) beautiful from it. You can also
3: observe this from the movies that you watch and the, the TV shows that you watch to some extent, can't you? I mean we might have mentioned during the break something about star wars. Jim wants
2: to talk Star Wars.
0: But <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yes, yeah, so what you're drawn to in terms of what movies you'd like to see? Yeah. Tell you something about your archetypes and it can tell you about your uh, your habitual ones or it can tell you about a calling like oh well, I have to see that. I know, you know, I know there's some reason I have to see this new thing. But Star Wars is like this the seeker archetype it's all about exploring and pioneering and it's so important um and star wars also was a pioneer in preparing us for living in a really living in a diverse culture oh interesting going all over the planet and there are all these weird creatures and everything it makes our our you know the problems we have It has to do with somebody has a different skin color is a big deal, you know? Right. Um, it puts it in, in perspective. So, um, yeah, I love Star Wars. And I, I think the calling in it to, uh, to be a pioneer and explore is very powerful, but particularly for young people and particularly for any of us right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just coming out of this pandemic. Um, but we don't know what the future is going to hold. We really don't know, and it's not up to us individually so much. With, you know, we're we're aware that other people who make different decisions are leading the world in a different direction. And however much freedom we have individually, collectively, we don't know where we're going. And and to have that that seeker impulse to enjoy the discovery mm-hmm. and live into the this discovery is, I think, powerful. So, but it could be any archetype, you know. Um, to me, I I often think that uh, movies that do well tell us something about where the archetypes are in the collective right now.
3: Oh, that's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, Uh, which I find academically interesting. Yeah. Is that why we're
2: seeing so many over the last year or two superhero or the expansion of the Marvel universe or that type of thing? Do you think that's because of something that's happening collectively?
0: Uh, It's the call to heroism, yeah, and find your superpower, particularly since all of them have you know difficulties as well. They're not all perfect anymore uh, like they used to be. Uh, So, yes, I do think that that is is part
3: of it. Now, I have to clarify that when we're talking about Star Wars, we're talking about the original trilogy, not those terrible prequels and sequels. I just want to clarify that. But this
2: is a good point, Jim, because (laughs) a a good myth myth and a good narrative gets to be able to be repeated and expanded and pulled out and go from generation to generation. So there are some people who are listening who are like,
3: nope. I am close-minded <laughs> about the prequel series.
0: Now, wait a minute. Did you say Star Trek or Star Wars?
3: Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh,
0: no. I was talking about Star Trek. <laughs> oh, okay. Now <laughs> we Wars have that battle as well. <laughs> That's right. <But laughs> that Star Wars is something else, and it's, uh, you know, it's for, you know, it's revolution. Yeah, I mean, we have the revolutionary band. We have the oppressors, and uh, that is really telling us about our Our politics right now where whatever side you're on you think that the other side is part of the oppressors the oppressor yeah yeah and that then that uh, there's an uh, there is that impulse for the revolutionary to um come and make you know to to bring back freedom and we don't always agree on what freedom is right that's nevertheless we all want to be on that side of it right um
3: Star so Trek and we, Star Wars, very important, both of them.
2: Yeah, both important. So, so Carol, how do we find it? We've been talking a lot about archetypes so far in the show. How how do we find out um, what our archetypes are, and is it worth it, Jim, to go through a few of them?
3: I would love that. In fact, I think we should. Uh, I took the test. Did you, take the test, Sarah?
2: Oh, I
0: took the test too. Yeah, okay, thought... what did you? What did, How'd you come out?
3: I think I passed. I'm not sure.
2: <laughs> I, I so think bad. this is a test that you don't fail,
0: Joe. Oh. I think
2: that everybody wins. Um, it's just a curiosity <laughs>
0: of what it shows us. Would that be fair, Carol?: Yes, so does either of you actually want to share or
3: would you I would I,
0: w- no I don't force sharing. <laughs> uh,
3: as long as I get an A plus. Okay, so mine were uh, my top ones were creator, seeker, and revolutionary, and my lowest, oh. not surprising realist Uh (laughs)
0: uh-huh
3: so so what does that mean what is the creator archetype
0: well the creator archetype is it's the it's a lot of times it it's what what really motivates you what activates you so most people who are high in creator that's where they go into a flow experience Mm -hmm. you know if i can be creative I lose track of time. I enjoy what I'm doing, except when I'm critiquing it, of course. But um, uh, it would say that you that you really enjoy creating um, with all the stress around it, and um, and you feel most yourself and authentic when you're create creating. Now, what were the other two? Or
3: my next one was seeker.
0: Seeker, yeah. And well, I talked about that when I thought we were talking about Star Trek.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you're having a radio program where you uh, bring in all kinds of people. It's a great way to seek in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, uh,
3: definitely. Yeah,
0: it's not necessarily being on the road, but it is seeking new ideas, exploring uh, that what's possible, listening, you know, finding out. And it's also what resonates Exploring what is out there that resonates with you and helps you find out who you are. Um, My, and being a pioneer for, for in the world. And, and the I, other
3: the other one was revolutionary, which kind of surprised me in some ways.
0: Um yes. Uh, and the revolutionary is really just is the other side of the creator. And in my first book on this, I was the creator and the destroyer, but I didn't want to call people destroyers, <laughs> uh, but it's around us being a destroyer is actually a useful thing. And, and in nature, every, there's always as much being destroyed as being created. Hmm. And uh, so it is a willingness to let go of things. So to say, that's not okay, I don't want to put my energy that, you know, on that. Um, I don't, I I don't want to have that idea. I want to let go of that. Uh, I I no longer want to do this job or this activity. So that would be, and that's very important. um, Because creators, creator um, seekers would get overwhelmed Hmm. if they were always adding to and never letting go so that those three go well together in a creative personality
3: oh wonderful well that's good to hear our,
0: our time of life yeah
3: yeah so when you have your your lowest ranking one i guess that's your shadow is that shadow side um and for me it's it's realist what does well, that it mean
0: can be your shadow side yeah. or side it could just be your low lowest priority I see. And in the earliest thing, I uh, in um, the hero within in awakening the Heroes within, I call that the orphan.
1: Mm.
0: Um, and because it really comes from having, it it can emerge when one has lived some difficult things, and you come to know that <clears throat> uh, to be protect, protective, self protective a bit to see see things happening that could be bad and protecting against them um but it's also um very much a focus on the present what things are and in that sense many people say with with that combination of creative archetypes that you have Mm -hmm. um that wouldn't be your priority so that wouldn't mean that that if it's shadowy it means you've repressed it it might come out in a really bad way i see but if it's if it's if it's simply low, because it's just not who you are. yeah, It's the opposite of who you are right now, or at right. least who you are at this time of your life. It doesn't necessarily uh, mean mean that. But on the other hand, it's useful to pay attention to, am I paying attention to what's, to what's real? And mm. am I noticing if I'm being mistreated or um, am in danger in some way, am I noticing? Mm. Yeah, and and again in the new thought community it's really helpful actually to remember to have a you know regular human survival skills and to to sympathize with oneself when you're feeling hurt or bad
3: all right so i'm dying to hear what sarah's uh major archetypes are what were yours sarah
2: and I want to recommend that anyone who does this and takes this assessment does it with a friend too to compare because this is really fascinating. So, Jim, my highest is also creator. My lowest is also realist. Wow. So, that is really fascinating. But what's, what's interesting is my other two high ones are a little different. Um, So I'm kind of curious about that in the way that you and I interact. But my second should not be a surprise to anyone who's listening, which is Jester. (laughs) And my third was Sage. Mm -hmm. So I think it's fascinating to look at the entire list and the way the assessment printed out for me, it kind of showed me um, a hierarchy of, of how I use these different things, like in this moment. But what I really was interested in is is your your assessment that in this moment answer it this way. It might be different in the past or in the future or something. But I could kind of see based on the results what's what's alive in my life right now, what what I'm really leaning into, and what perhaps I'm running from. And apparently I'm running <laughs> from the realism, caregiving, and lover. So I guess, I guess that's um,
0: (laughs) at the bottom then of those.
2: I do. And, and I think that that makes a little sense because I've been, um, I have a family member who's ill right now. And so there's some, you know, some kind of perhaps tension or reticence, or I don't know, you're the one who knows these the best, but that was my kind of um, pop psychology assessment of, of how it popped out for me.
0: No, that is, I mean, that's, but that's a really good example of, um, So caregiver might be called for in your environment possibly, but it's really not anything that feeds you to do. So the answer is, so you could do it without throwing your whole self into it would be one one, uh, option there. Uh, Another option would be to see, um, does this person really need you to come in and be cheerful and jester and liven them up? <laughs> you know, um, could you be the sage person who um, is paying attention to what the doctor is saying and what they, you know, what you find out on the internet about what they're dealing with. Do you see what I'm saying? I
2: do Carol, that is really, oh, well, really useful.
0: And so then you could still be in the areas that, our, our, our superpowers at the moment um, rather than be dragged down and think I, that what you do has to be defined by some cultural idea of what you would have to do. And I remember years ago, uh, a woman who was in charge of her husband's care, I think it was her somebody's care. And uh, she said, I have no caregiver. I said, what you got? I've got ruler. (laughs) I am such a good ruler. And so she dealt with the whole situation by planning the care. Mm -hmm. This person could do this. That person could go this route. She got a whole army of people engaged with this situation to do the things that she had no energy for doing. So I think those... It's an interesting. Um, you had ruler. The other one was it was lover. As, the the low
2: ones, yeah, the low ones were caregiver, lover, and and
0: realist.
2: Mm-hmm. Right now,
0: so your way of connect of being with people ideally would be to bring in your jester. That's because fair. The likes to be with people.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, that's fair.
0: Um, you know, and, and occasionally the sage and the creator would be useful too, but, um, the gesture is another relational archetype.
2: So is it fair to say, Carol, because you're, um, you're being able to pull out some nuances and some really interesting observations here. Is it fair to say that when you work with these, it's not a one and done where you just go find out what you are and then it tells you how to live your life, but, but that you really need to learn about how to use these different archetypes rather than I'm such and such. And that's why I'm the way I am. Would that be fair? to say? Oh,
0: absolutely. Uh, yeah, I was trying this out with a couple of analysts who said, yeah, I've got these clients who think they know their archetypes and that that's all they do. (laughs) They don't want to do anything else. Everybody's got a deal. And, um, yeah, and, and that's where uh, my new book, uh, What Stories Are You Living?, is really helpful. There's two whole sections that are de- definitions. First of the archetypes in individuals, and then in, in literature and popular culture and things like that. But also a lot of examples that help with that kind of thinking about it and thinking about, well, if I have three, how do they relate? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they fight you know, when you pull, be pulled in all these directions or three directions. Um, the sometimes people think that, that they have a low score. Well, I might, I got to do something about that. You know, I can see that's what's wrong with me. No, um, it takes thinking about it to realize, is it even a problem? Hmm. I was sharing
2: with Jim at the beginning today, that I had I had been listening to the audio book of one of your earlier books, and you had shared the story of a dragon in it. And I don't know if you remember remember this from back in that book, but who I guess was was um, terrorizing a town and somebody went out to speak with him. And the resolution was not that the dragon should be any different, but that he should be useful by burning up the trash every Tuesday or Tuesday and Thursday or something.
0: Yes, that's one of my favorite children's yeah, books. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Hero is Jerome the Frog. Goes, Jerome the Frog—that's what it is. So, and I,
2: and I was struck by that so much that I I talked about it in our opening, and it's coming up again. But the idea that this isn't about figuring out where am I broken or what is it that I'm not supposed to be doing, but it, is that right? That it it's really about looking at how do I take these these assets and. I don't know. I, I, there's something forming in my mind here. I don't have the words for it, but I was really struck by the idea that the dragon wasn't bad for burning up the towns. So he just needed to be redirected a little.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and then I'm... Don't mis- we all <laughs>
3: have dragons that need to be <laughs> redirected?
0: Well, and that's, you know, that's related to what I was saying earlier about the things that we can feel ashamed about. And no, underneath that, well, we might want to do that to change really bad behavior. But on the other hand, it, it makes more sense in a new thought concept if we uh, see what was that impulse about and how, how could I burn the town garbage, <laughs> um, you know, or do the equivalent of that or even something quite wonderful. You know, there, there. I may be called to something quite wonderful once I respect the calling that got my attention by embarrassing me in public.
3: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, whatever that might be.
3: The I'm curious about the sage archetype. Can you tell me a little bit about the sage archetype? I know um, Sarah had that pretty pretty high up, right in the third spot, was it?
0: Yeah. Third spot, yeah, yeah. I've been working a lot, by the way, with um, pe- uh, archetypal pairings and, the, uh, and uh, have been differentiating two approaches to truth, the sage and the magician. And uh, the magician is more revealed truth or things you can't see. The sage is more like a philosopher, a scientist, um, a journalist, who, uh, investigative reporter, you know, the somebody who takes a, um, a rational or um, approach to, to learning and thinking, um, they definitely moved by curiosity in terms of and a desire to learn. Um, I don't know, Sarah, what form that might take for you. <laughs> That's I spot on, I'm a, it I'm is a writer. totally
3: spot yeah. on for Sarah.
2: I, I'm a writer who's just endlessly curious. I also teach at a seminary. And so I I just love to um I think it's kind of related a little bit to that seeker thing, but to to just to learn and to mm-hmm. to find things out and then to be able to write them in ways that um help other people access them. Yeah. So I think you're you're speaking very much that. And it was interesting that Magician for me appeared right under Sage and I was curious about the differences between the two. And yeah. so I like what you just said about that.
0: Well, another thing I'd add is when you were saying that caregiver was low, but you like to help people, but you like to help people by giving them information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so fair. <laughs>
2: you <know>? you still <laughs> too, are, much, too much information. My students get <laughs> such long book
0: lists of here you need to read these 14 books. So yeah. That, that, it's that, important to recognize that you're still willing to help. Yeah. just help in that archetype differently
3: mm-hmm. yeah so it's when you look at your life when you go back look at the stories of your life um memory changes that to some extent doesn't it is it it's a it adapts to what you believe the story is is that right
0: yeah what what our memories are are the story that we told ourselves about what was happening and all And that's
3: actually the important part right
0: well, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, because and it can be all the visceral experiences too. But you know how you can remember your fifth grade birthday party mainly around the time that somebody was mean to you, and then you hear a story about how from somebody else about how happy you must have been at that that birthday party because of this or that or the other. And you go, what? We do sometimes learn that our story. Is not true, which is particularly that can be important in therapy, when we recognize that it was what we were able to understand at the time, like little kids who make meaning of something their parents did that maybe not well, could who and, and lingers into adulthood where it might not be actually accurate. Um, but the cool things about it is that every time we think about. Um, one of these memories we think about it influenced by the stories we are now living Mm, yeah which means that and it's one of the ways that we can come to grips with difficult memories um in the sense that we keep changing them yeah and you know that's that's very helpful in forgiveness uh it's very helpful in um you know as we grow older i know as i've grown older the things that they're things that when I was a kid, I had pretty decent parents, but uh, did that I thought I'll never do that. And then those words come out of my mouth to my uh-huh. mouth. <laughs> right, and, right. It, yep. and then my memory changes because I know what it's like to be on the other side. Right. right. Of that situation. So it's, 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 it's quite a wonderful thing. It can also be a problem because there's a tendency for all of us to, to, now this goes a little differently than where I was going before to protect our ego. And so sometimes we can keep, we really did something that where we could, you know, try to make it up to somebody or whatever. And we can, every time we think we have a good excuse, another good excuse. you know
3: Right. Right. Oh, if there's one piece of advice or a tool that you would suggest for our audience, that they could use in this manner what might that be
0: not sure i'm going exactly where you want but what i what comes to me right now to say is um to know that if you don't know what your stories are they're living you
3: oh yeah
0: and uh so if you can find a way and there are many ways so you know taking the pmai is a way reading the book is a way there are other ways but <clears throat> Um, find out what stories you're, you're living and telling so that you can be in charge of your life and your conscious life can affect then the whole of your conscious mind and, and your sense of morality can, can frame uh, your thinking.
3: Thank you, Carol. It's been absolutely wonderful having you on Big Universe. Thanks for joining us.
0: Nice to be with you.
3: Check, check out Dr. Carol S. Pearson's latest book, What Stories Are You Living? Discover Your Archetypes, Transform Your Life. You can find out more about our work at carolspearson.com. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses, and I help to create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lefter with Sarah Bowen. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio.
2: The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.